started off uh, by saying, I am not a singer of specials, but as my dad might be able to tell you, I am a special singer. <laughs> and uh, on the bus route, we like to do a little bit of uh, singing. And so, uh, first thing I need you all to be able to learn to clap with me, alright? Now, I've been told that I'm probably the best clapper this side of the Mississippi. Uh, there's a couple guys over in Montana might be a little bit better than me. But uh, we're going to put that to the test today. So anybody that feels willing, you go ahead and try to clap with me. But you got to clap at the same time. Now, Tommy was never very good at this. So when I clap, you got to clap, all right? So it's like that. Come on now. Like that, see? I think you, like that. Now we start clapping a little bit better. We get the clap going. Come on, you just feel free to clap. A little bit faster. Thank you. Thank you. No, I always get the kids with that one, but um, I... <laughs> I'm not, you know, I don't really feel too strong about my singing abilities, but there are some songs I believe that everybody can sing, and I think that they're a blessing to you, and I've learned these as I've got along on the bus route, I've learned a lot of them, and uh, I think even if you're a grown adult, while you're at work, these songs can help you a great deal, and I truly believe that, because I sing them a lot, maybe I'm just growing physically, but mentally I've stayed at age seven or something like that, sometimes I wonder if that's my success with the bus route, but... 
It goes like this, all right? I'm happy today, I'm happy today, I'm happy today, I'm happy today in Jesus Christ. I'm happy today. Wait, that's not how it goes. All right, hold on. I'm happy today, I'm happy today in Jesus Christ. I'm happy today because He's taken all my sins away. And that's why I'm happy today. That's how it goes. All right. I won't torch you anymore. I apologize for that. Every now and again I get an idea, and it's usually not a good one, but you know, that's what people get for getting ideas, I suppose. I'd like to start off by saying um, I really appreciate your pastor. And uh, I preached on the bus and at the detention home a while back on Memorial Day, and I talked about having a memorial for certain things in your life, and I talked about having a memorial for salvation. And uh, one of mine is Brother Tommy. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get into talking about it a little bit, but when I think about Brother Tommy, he was the one that led me to the Lord. And, uh, I mean, that means a lot to me. And uh, if you folks can ever come to grips with the fact that your pastor is probably going to be one of the best friends that you'll ever have. And I know my pastor back home, Tommy's dad, Pastor Tom, has been uh, a very genuine person. And you don't meet a lot of genuine people in the world. And so when you do, you got to learn to appreciate them. Don't ever be afraid of your pastor if you have troubles or if you have questions. He's someone that you can go to. He will not judge you. He will help you, he will help you using the Word of God. And uh, I just wanted to say thank you for this opportunity. And I, I appreciate your friendship. And uh, we'll go ahead and go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord God, I know I'm not worthy, but I do thank you for this opportunity, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, now that you'd meet with us, Lord, I pray that you would use... The words that I have written, the words that I'll speak to be a blessing to these folks. Lord God, no doubt there's some trials going on in these folks' lives. Maybe there's somebody here that's facing some real struggles. Perhaps, Lord, there's someone here that's not saved, Lord. And I just pray that you'd use me to be a blessing. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd speak to hearts and guide these folks to whatever it is you'd have them to do today. I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. You can go ahead and open to uh, Matthew chapter 6. That'll be my uh, text verse. This is in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. I do enjoy seeing kids here, though. I think it's important to have kids in church. Uh, you know, I guess the way my mom got me in church was she offered to give me candy if I was good. And I never forgot about the candy. And so, matter of fact, my stepdad's probably happy to have me around. He's seen more candy in the last few months than he's seen in the last few years. So I'm sure he appreciates that. But uh, as I was thinking about what I might preach today... I was coming up with all these ideas. See, I went to Bible school for a year, and uh, somehow they ended up giving me a preaching award before I left, and it was because I preached a lot, not because I preached good or great or anything like that. And uh, So you always have a lot of ideas of what you want to preach, and I'd be thinking of stuff at work, and I'd be writing stuff down. And you know, I, When I got my message all written up Friday, it was just this real long thing. I was like, oh boy, that'll preach, that's good. And I got to thinking about it Saturday, and I was like, that's, that's not me. And so I came with the message that uh, I, can, uh, I can put my heart into. I believe it's very important to have your heart involved in the ministry because that's what you get saved with is the heart. And that's what you believe with is the heart. And I believe that's how you reach people is with heart. So I'm going to start reading here in verse 19. And I'll preach at you for a little bit. The Bible says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. 
For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And uh, I've been thinking about these verses a lot lately, actually. I call this message Eternal Eyes. And uh, Pastor Tom talks about it back home quite a bit. And uh, he talks about having eyes on eternity. You know, it seems like we waste so much time on things here that matter absolutely nothing at all. The Bible says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And sadly it is that we spend most of the time on things we're not even going to carry out of this world. Not, not, not one thing that we work for here will we carry unless it's something that will last an eternity. And right here, Christ is trying to tell His disciples to focus on eternity. And so many times we hear others talk about it. And pastors encourage us to do it, but do we actually do it? Now, I'm a guy that loves baseball. I don't know if you guys like sports or not, but I love baseball. I think uh, my parents could probably attest to that. I ordered a baseball bat and hounded my stepdad for months until it came. And I love playing baseball. But guess what? All that time I spend on that field, all them hits I get, catches I make, when I stand in heaven, God's not going to go, Hey, Joe, you did a real good job down on the base. He's not going to care one bit about the baseball. And uh, baseball is where I waste a lot of time with my life. And I wonder if there's maybe something in your life you can relate to like that, where you put a lot of time and you put a lot of energy into it, and you're thinking, boy, this is important, and this makes me feel happy, this makes me feel good, but really it's vain. The Bible talks about vain being empty, something that doesn't matter much. Christ said, If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. I looked up that word single. In the Greek, it means folded together. It means twine or braided. In the dictionary, it says one, only, individual. Not double, not complicated, pure, simple, and corrupt. It seems he was saying when our eye is so focused on God's purpose that it becomes one with His as a single eye, it will be full of light. I started thinking about that because I never really looked that up before, but I just started thinking what he's talking about with a single eye. And I wonder how many people look through this, in this world when you look through the eyes of God. I know that's pretty difficult to do, but could you picture what God sees when He walks around? On the flip side, He says, If thine eye be evil, and evil means hurtful or calamitous, it means working ill or mischief or malice, it means having bad quality of a natural kind. In other words, if your eye is focused on the things of this world, on Satan's purpose of destruction and sin, your body will be full of darkness. Christ goes on to say you cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve two masters. That word mammon basically means wealth. It means riches. It means, it means the God of riches, perhaps. So you cannot pursue riches and souls. The two will conflict. You cannot serve God and seek your own will for your life. The two will conflict unless your will becomes the will of God. So what is God's will? I mean, I can go to the verse in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 and he says, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus concerning you. Yeah, he wants you to be thankful. That's a, good, that's a will of God. But every time I think about God's will, I think about the verse in 2 Peter 3.9. I think about the fact that the Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness. But His long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's will is that man repent and get saved. God created us to have a relationship with Him. I get to listening to uh, old sermons a lot. And Jack Kyle's 
Brother Jack Kyles from over in Hammond, Indiana. He preached a message. He goes, you ever, you ever wonder what the purpose of life is? You ever think, wonder why God created man? And he said basically it was so you could have a relationship with God. He created you to have a relationship with Him. And that was pretty interesting to me. I started thinking about it. But you know what? We start worrying about us way more than we start thinking about God. So what is our will? What is our focus? You know, I had a guy up in college. He was always all over my case. What's your life verse? He wanted me to have a verse in the Bible that I was going to base my whole life on. I'm like, Mike, I just got saved. You know, I'm not going to go out and pick something. But he kept hounding me and hounding me. And I heard a preacher once say that the verse for the sinner is John 3.16. But he said the verse for the saint is Mark 8.35. And I looked that up. And it says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. And I started thinking about that. To lose your life for Christ's sake and for the Gospels. To lose your life. We all try to hold on to our lives thinking that it's going to mean something to us. It's going to gain us some sort of thing in this world. But it doesn't necessarily work out that way, does it? I'm going to read some verses to you that my soul winning teacher made me memorize in school. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. We call that the Great Commission. Jesus was commanding disciples to go out and reach others. And He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. This was Jesus' last words to His disciples. And if you watch movies at all, like I, you know, I grew up watching movies, it almost seems like every time someone's about to die, and they have this character speaking their last words. It's almost like them words are the most important words that person ever spoke in their life. And here we have Christ right before He's leaving this earth to go into heaven and, and be seated at the right hand of the Father. What is He saying? What is He telling His disciples to do? Did He say, go play baseball? No, I don't think so. You know, Did He say, go do a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter? He said, go out and teach other people. Go out and win them. Go out and see people get saved. Go out there and make a difference with the gospel that I've given to you. I've teached you all this stuff. What are you guys going to do with it? Sit around and do nothing? There's the maniac of Gadara. I don't know how well you guys know your Bible. I'm still learning. I've been saved a little over five years, like Tommy said, and I'll get a little bit more into my testimony here in a bit. But uh, I like the story of the maniac of Gadara. Here's a man that had no hope, running through the, the, the graveyard naked, basically, cutting himself and screaming at night. Everybody thought he was a crazy man. But Jesus comes along, and all of a sudden this man is saved, and everybody's scared. They don't know what's going on. Here's what Jesus said to him, because the man wanted to follow Jesus. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. He wanted him to go home and tell his friends. He wanted him to go and tell others. Sadly, our eyes are on the wrong things. And I'm trying to get you to focus on eternity. It's so difficult to do, because we're stuck here. We're all worried about the time we got here. Everybody's born and they're going to die sometime. You are appointed a certain amount of time on this earth. We all know that. And what you do with that time, you've got a limit. Because you're not guaranteed so many days. The Bible says if you make it to be 70, you're blessed. I don't think I'll make it that long. The Bible says to have a long life, you have to be obedient to your parents. And you get to talking to my parents. I waved bye-bye to obedient to them a long time ago. I'm trying to make up for lost time, but I don't know if I can get out of that hole. But I believe our sin problems, I believe our economic problems, I believe our societal problems, yeah, I believe all of our problems, the answer lies in the Great Commission. And let me explain to you. 
First of all, if you want to have eternal eyes, you must be saved. The Bible says, for other, found, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Your salvation is your foundation. I preach this a lot because in my life, I had absolutely no foundation. As hard as I tried on my own power, as much as I tried to do the right thing and to get to the top, it seemed that my effort kept bringing me right back down here. Now, I don't have the same testimony as a lot of people. I grew up as a Catholic boy. I got, went through, what was it, I think preschool, kindergarten, all the way through eighth grade. And after I was done with all that, I said, I don't want nothing to do with God. I went to high school. I stopped believing in God. At least I told myself I did. I had no need for God. Started hanging out with the wrong people. Started doing a lot of different stuff like smoking and drinking and stuff that, you know, is pretty much dumb. But, you know, I was hanging out with the wrong people. So whatever my dad told me, whatever my mom told me, I just said, ah, whatever. You don't know what they're talking about. I'm 15. I know, I know everything, you know. And uh, what would have been a good life I wrecked and I ruined because I was trying to do it on my own. And no matter how hard I kept trying, like I said, I kept falling down. And it seemed like that just kept continuing through my life to the point where I just hated my life. I hated it. I couldn't stand it. Because it seemed like there was nothing to live for. If a man, I felt like Solomon. If a man lives to be rich, if a man lives to be poor, what's the difference? Because money don't make the difference. It doesn't seem to matter. People that are rich aren't happy. People that are poor aren't happy. People that are in the middle aren't happy. So what makes the difference? I tell you what makes the difference is having that foundation in Christ, that salvation. I was 24 and a half years old. I had been arrested on a Wednesday night. And uh, just thinking to myself, man, the first time that this happened to me, I was 17. It was seven years ago. I was in the same place for basically the same crime, cuffed to the same bench, looking at it. The only thing that was different is they took your fingerprints with ink. Instead of with ink, they did it with a computer. I was kind of impressed. But uh, other than that, there was really no difference. I just thought to myself, man, how do I keep ending up here? Because everything I've tried gets me right back here. And my parents, my brother Nick especially, had been asking me to go to church for probably about three years. They'd been on my case. Joe, you need to come to church. Joe, you need to get saved. Joe, if you don't get saved, you're going to hell. Joe, you need to do this. Joe, you need to do that. And I'm like, look, I don't ask you guys to come out drinking. I don't ask you to come out and do the things I do. Stay off my case. But that night was the it for me. If I hadn't found something, I probably would have taken my life. I believed that with all my heart because I was so tired of being there. And I decided that next day, I asked my dad, I asked Denise, and I said, would it be alright if I came to church with you on Sunday? I'd like to go. And I went to church that Sunday morning. And Pastor Tom stood in the pulpit and he said, uh, I had a message I was going to preach, but on the way back from counseling with the man, I decided to change my message. And I changed my message to this. And long story short, the man that he counseled with was about to take his own life. So immediately I was sitting in the pew and I was listening. Because that's what I felt like. And he talked about this man and the different mistakes he had made. And he said, you can live your life for all the reasons in the world, but until you live for God, you've never really lived your life. And I thought about it. And I had never truly lived my life for God. I never really gave my heart to God. And at the end of that service, they did an altar call. I didn't know what an altar call was. I had no clue. They said, if you're here and you've never received Christ, raise your hand. We'll pray for you. Boom, my hand was up. I'm like, this guy's going to pray for me. I'll feel a lot better. And so after that, he was talking for a little bit and he said, young man that raised your hand, if you'd come forward, we'll take a Bible. We will take God's Word and we'll show you how you can know for sure that you have a home in heaven when you die. No one, no one ever made that offer to me, never in my life, ever made that offer to me. 
And I came forward, and then, I mean, you can get the CD and listen to it. I, I, every time I do, it, I just, it brings tears to my eyes. pastor said, young man, you want to, Joseph, would you like to accept the Lord as your Savior? And I said, yes, sir. And Tommy took this Bible, and he led me to the Lord. And I stood in front of that church, tears rolling down my face like this great weight that I had carried for the last 24 years had slidden off my back. I finally had a foundation. I finally had a place to stand because I was saved. Not because I thought so, not because He told me so, but because God's Word told me so. And so many people just keep struggling and struggling because they don't have that foundation. How can you find God's will for your life and perform it if you've never accepted His Son as your Savior? I believe until you get saved, you will not be able to stand. Now, salvation doesn't mean you are perfect, but it means building upon a solid ground. Many struggle with sin, with doubt, with fear. They struggle with their life because they cannot rest on a solid foundation of salvation. I mean the Bible. I mean you can point somewhere in this Bible specifically and say, this is why I'm going to heaven. It makes a great difference. It makes a great difference to have made that decision with your heart. I deal with kids an awful lot. I deal with a lot of kids. You know, as soon as a kid sees someone get saved, everybody wants to get saved. I mean, come on, because they're standing in front of the church and everybody's praising them, shaking their hand. But you know what? You've got to make that decision with your heart. And you've got to do it repenting. That means turning from your sin to God. Your faith has taken you away from your sin to God. That is the salvation I'm talking about. Many might say they're saved. Many might act like they're saved. Many might think they're saved. But the truth is, God only knows and you only know. And so you have to admit you're a sinner. On your way to hell, Jesus paid for it. And by faith, receive Him. And that is your foundation. That's what I did. But that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. We're talking about having eternal eyes here. We're talking about eyes that reach past this world to something that matters much, much more. Because I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but the only thing you're carrying out of this world is other souls. You know, my brother Nick, after I got saved... He took me to a spot. I went up to the Bible school Nick went to, and I didn't really know nothing. I Sometimes I think I was pretty crazy for going up there because I was the complete opposite of all these people that had grown up in church and loved the Lord and knew the Bible. I didn't know one verse. I think I memorized two verses before I made it there. And I just, whatever, you know, I was there. But uh, Nick took me to a spot in the woods, and he said, Joe, you see this spot? Sometimes I'd pray for you for about an hour. I'd pray with tears and And God spoke to my heart about that. I believe so much in praying for somebody that's lost. I believe do not give up on praying for somebody that's lost. I did never listen to the kid. He'd call me up and say, Joe, you got to get saved. It's just like this and that. And I'm like, hold the phone out. And I'd tell my roommate, this kid's crazy. I don't know what's wrong with him. But, you know, he's absolutely right. But number one, you got to have that solid foundation of salvation. Number two, if you want to have eternal eyes, you're going to have to crucify your flesh, cast out the sin in your life, If you want to start reaching souls. The Bible says, Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. And I speak this to your shame. I wasn't saved long. But I wanted to start telling other people. I can remember asking Tommy. And I can remember asking Pastor. I can remember asking them, Can I go out on soul winning with you? And these guys didn't know what to make of me. Because they knew a little bit about my past. So they were kind of like, Well, we'll just wait and see if you're faithful for a little bit. I had no, you know what I did? I grabbed some tracks. I decided I'm going by myself, bless God. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. So I started walking in town. I'd knock on the door and I'd say, Yeah, I used to drink and smoke, but I got saved. Here's an invitation to church. And the people would be like, <laughs> slammed the door, you know. It was like they didn't know what to make of me either. 
But you know what? Over time, that zeal, I lost it. Over time, sin had crept back into my life. And that power that I once had was gone. Why? Because Satan diverted my attention away from God's purpose to my own purpose. I lost that vision for eternity and I started worrying again about this guy. I started worrying about what's going to make Joe happy. And when you're focused on souls, you will have no desire for the sin and the garbage of this world. But unfortunately, Satan can see when somebody is on fire for God. He can see, hey, they're saved. I can't get them from that. I can't take them to hell, but I can, I can surely divert their attention from bringing other people to heaven. Satan's got a whole army of people with him. He uses a lot of lies and temptations. And unless you, you know, I'm going to get to my next point. I want to get ahead of myself. The Bible says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. You know what? The only way that you can actually win souls, the only way that you're ever going to win anybody, is if you have the power of God on your life. But you know what? How do we grieve that Holy Spirit? We grieve Him through sin and rebellion. After sin occurs once, it's easier to do it more. It becomes easier to forget the fight for souls. It becomes easier to make excuses to why you don't want to go out and serve God. It becomes easier to say, well, God doesn't want to use somebody like me. And then it becomes real easy to say, I might as well give up because there's absolutely no hope for me. Because you get to failing and failing and you're falling on your face and you're asking yourself, what in the world would God ever waste His time on a loser like me? I'm not saying you, so this is the questions I ask myself. But you know what? You've got to keep on going. And you know why that is? Because if you have them eternal eyes, you can see the fact that people are going to die and go to hell if somebody doesn't tell them. I'm telling you right now, if you keep that thought in your mind, it's a very sobering reality. Because point number three is, you must stay close to God to have eternal eyes. Now this is going to help you with the sin problem too. I believe all of this goes together so well that it would actually cause revival. It would actually do all the things we want to see done in the churches and it all revolves around soul winning. The Bible says, Abide in Me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in Me. That was Jesus talking. That word abide means remain, stay fixed. It means to take it means you're taking no effort to abide. Alright, if I want to abide in this pulpit, and I'm stealing this from Jack Hiles, but bless God, I don't think he'll mind. If I want to abide in this pulpit, you know what I gotta do? Just stand here. I can just abide here all day long. I might get a little tired, but I can abide here. You know what it takes for me to not abide in this pulpit? I have to make an effort to leave. I have to make an effort to walk away. If I want to abide in my house, I can lounge around all day long. But if I want to leave my house, I have to get up and I have to make an effort to go. And what is Jesus saying? If you abide in Him, if you abide in God's Word, then you're going to have success as a Christian. But it's going to take effort. It's going to take you consciously making a physical effort to walk away from the Lord. And that's where you lose the abiding. Satan's holding something out over here. I don't know what it is. Some sort of sin. And you just keep thinking, I'm going to sneak away. And you get away from God. He does it to so many people. He's very, very good at it. After three years, people had worked on me. They had worked and they'd worked and they'd worked on me. But you know what? It wasn't, wasn't anything but God moving my heart. 
God was the one that moved my heart. It wasn't because somebody spectacular had witnessed to me. It was a combination of events in my life and the power of God. And unless you are close to the Lord, you will never have that power to win souls. You will never. I knock on so many doors and I just wish that God would talk to people. But I realize I'm not close enough to the point where I can see Him smite somebody's heart and convict them of being lost and on their way to hell. I, can't, I can say all the things I want to say, but without God talking to their heart, it's never going to work. It's never going to happen. You need God's power. That's why you need to be close to God. The Bible says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all the things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know how you, you, know how you get power? You get full of God. You know what? You, you get full of this book right here. You show up to church as much as you possibly can. You pray, but you don't just pray. I asked a kid on the bus today, I said, what is prayer? And no one's answering the question. I said, well, how many people pray? Like eight hands went up. I said, how are you praying? You don't know what prayer is. <laughs> I love kids, man. It's always fun talking to kids. But you know what? Prayer is asking. But real prayer is asking, knowing that there's a real God in heaven that really wants to answer your prayer. And when you really start praying and you really start reading this Bible with a focus on the fact that people are dying and going to hell and there's something you can do about it, it makes a great difference. It makes a terribly great difference. Just keep it in mind, eternity. I'll tell the kids often, I'll tell them, do you know that thousands of feet down in this earth, there's a literal hell. There's a literal burning hell. I know the scientists don't want to acknowledge it. I know a lot of people don't want to acknowledge that. They don't want to believe that there's a real hell. But guess what? Proof to me there isn't. All right. I like to tell the kids at the detention home often, Hebrews 11.6, He that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You need to have faith to please God. You need to have faith. I can't prove this book to you. I cannot prove prayer to you. I cannot prove salvation to you. I can give you facts. I can give you evidences. But essentially you have to have the faith. But you know what, your preacher, I imagine he probably talks often about reading your Bible, about coming to church, about praying, about telling others about Jesus, and you start to think in your, your seat, like, blah, 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 I want to get the ice cream, alright? And I know Tommy, he likes to preach long, I'll tell you, I always used to pray real hard when I knew he was coming on. I was just like, you know what, Lord, please, get him speeded up today, oh, man, I need to get home. But, uh, I'm trying to encourage you folks. To have your eyes on eternity, I'm just going to keep repeating it because there's nothing more important than the fact that you need to focus on the things that you do here are only going to matter when it's going to affect heaven or it's going to affect hell. Because the closer you are to God, the more help you will have in this battle. You know what? If you get close to Brother Joe here, you're probably going to accrue a love for baseball somewhere. If you don't, you're going to get tired of me talking about it because I talk about baseball a lot. You know what else? If you get close to me and we become friends and somebody else has a problem with you, they got a problem with me. Alright? Because I'm not going to sit back and watch somebody else give you trouble if you're my friend. They're going to have to go through me. And if you get close to God, guess what? You're going to love souls. You're going to start having a love for lost people. And if you get close to God, He's not going to allow that person to get to you without going through Him first. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? It says, if God be for us. Let me say that God is for the soul winner. God is for the person that wants to win souls. And guess what? Who can be against you if God is for you? I think the answer to that question is 
Ain't too many people going to go against God and come out on top on that one. But being close to Him and focused on souls requires time and purpose of heart. You have to determine in your mind, Daniel purposed in his heart. You too must determine that you will serve God with His help. You know, it's interesting. I was listening to Pastor Gomez preach a message. And I, you know, I like listening to other preachers because it makes me preaching a little bit easier because I can just borrow stuff. You know? But he said this. He said, it's interesting because we get saved through faith. You know, we just we count on getting saved through the power of Christ. See, God, I don't know what's going on here. Alright, that's fine. We'll be okay. But you know what? We get saved through faith in Christ and we count on Him to take us to heaven. But after that, all of a sudden, we got to win every battle out of the flesh. I'm saved. Boy, now I really need to beat this smoking problem. Boy, I'm saved. I really need to beat this cursing problem. And you try everything you can out of this flesh when Christ saved you out of that flesh. Christ saved you to crucify that flesh. Pastor Gomez said this, you're fighting from victory, not for victory. So if we can just remember that Jesus already won the victory, all I need to do is get close to Him, and that's going to help me overcome the troubles I have. It would make things a lot easier for us. But the fact of the matter is, we keep thinking that we. So you get your focus back on you. And you get it off the Lord. You get it off eternity. But get close to God. Lean on God. Abide in Him. Determine that nothing is going to remove you from His side. And lastly... Once you get saved, get rid of sin and get close to Him, you got to go out and you got to get Him to have eternal eyes. Apostle Paul said this, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. He's basically saying, you know what? These people, they really have a zeal for God. They really want to get to know Him, but they have absolutely no clue what God told them about getting to know Him. They have no clue what God said about salvation. And you know what? I see so many people in this world exactly like that. I see so many people like that. You knock on a door, you say, hey, if you died right now, would you be 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Well, I hope so. Well, I might. Well, I'll do this. I'll do that. Or blah, 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 blah. Ain't no one ever going to pull out a Bible and tell you, this is why I'm going to heaven. I have yet to have that happen. And I've knocked on doors for a good four, four and a half years now. Not one person has ever broke out in the Bible and said, this is why I'm saved. This is why I'm going to heaven. Here Paul talks about his heart's desire. Paul had a heart for souls. And so must you if you want to have eternal lives. You know, I went to a lot of graduations this year. You know, I, I used to wonder, Tommy, I wondered... Would I, if I had kids, would I send them to the public school? Because I grew up going, I didn't go to the Christian school, I didn't have the PACE system, and I got to talking to your dad the one night, I'm like, I don't know if I'd send them to the Christian school. I don't know, but you know, more of these graduations I go to, I'm like, yeah, I know where I'm sending my kids. Because <laughs> it's just sad. But I look at this graduation, I see hundreds of people, and I ask myself, how many of these people are going to die and go to hell? I go to a Christmas concert. They call them winter concerts. I'm sorry, I'm not going to be politically correct. It's Christmas. It's a Christmas concert. Until they start singing Kwanzaa and all this other stuff. And you're just like, what in the world? But I look around at the hundreds of people and I ask myself, how many of these people are going to die and go to hell? I go to baseball games. All summer I'll be going to baseball games, walking into people and asking myself, how many of these people are going to die and go to hell? 
You know what? You've got to be asking yourself the question everywhere you go, everything you do. How can I help get the gospel to the lost and see them saved? This is why I believe that many people that say that they're saved are in Matthew chapter 7. They always talk about the chapters for bankruptcy. I call it the Matthew chapter 7. Because there's a whole lot of people that are going to say, Oh Lord, I was saved. I did this and I did that and I did the next thing. And Jesus is going to say, Depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. And He's going to cast them straight into hell. You know why? Because they never had it in their heart. Hey, if you get saved and you have a sin problem, I can understand that. We all battle sin. Hey, if you get saved and you have difficulty with standards or other stuff, I can understand that. But I do not understand somebody that says that they're saved and has no concern for eternity. I have a hard time with that. I'm not saying that you're not saved. I don't know. I cannot see your heart. But you know what? I wasn't saved very long. Like I said, I was reading my Bible a lot. I didn't know what I was reading. I was reading it just to be reading it. I pulled out a track because I was using it for my bookmarker and I pulled this track out. I started reading the track. I was like, I wonder what this says. And on the back it said, once you get saved, you need to get baptized. And once you get baptized, you need to witness. Now, the only witness I ever knew in my life was when you went to court and it was the guy you didn't want to see there. (laughs) That was the only witness I ever knew. But it was saying to witness... And I was like, what does that mean? To witness. And that was when I decided that I had to figure that out. It was like God had told me, are you just going to read that book or are you going to do something with it? So you know what? I started going out and doing something with the book. It's like having a cure for cancer and you just sit on your hands. You don't go out and bring it to people. I wonder if you folks were to read the obituaries week after week after week and ask yourself this question. I wonder how many people that were in those obituaries were saved. You know, it's sad. Because so many people, they trust in their religion to get them to heaven. They trust in their works to get them to heaven. They trust in their family's tradition to get to heaven. But they don't ever get saved. And you go try to give them the gospel. They're not very receptive. They don't want to receive what you got to tell them. So they never get saved. But I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to encourage you folks. I, I'm, not, I'm not like some great preacher. I didn't come here to expound some great new truth to you. I just know that somebody gave me the gospel. They told me something I'd never heard before in my life. No one ever told me that. And I got saved. And it changed my life. You know what? I work on a bus with kids. Now I'm talking about, you know, I'm talking about the only things you can take, take with you to heaven is eternal things. There's a girl on our bus named Jackie. She got saved. It would have been uh, last February, March, somewhere around that time she got saved. And all of a sudden she wanted to come to every service. I didn't understand why. She just always wanted to be coming. So I was like, alright, I'll pick you up. I started taking her. Before you know it, Jackie became very close and dear to me. You know why? Because I got saved. And because I went out and started telling other people. There's a girl on our bus named Ashley. A bunch of other people in her family. Her dad's passed away already. He's gone. And uh, her mom doesn't have... She works a couple jobs. Doesn't really ever come to church. Her sister and her brothers don't ever really come. But this girl started coming faithful. Works on our bus route. I've seen her sing songs in church. And I've done a couple specials. Man, what a blessing. Would never know Ashley if I'd never got saved. I can't sit here and pretend to know like I pretend like I know everything that's going on in your lives, and I can't pretend like I have all the answers to your lives. I can't pretend like living the Christian life is easy, and just because all of a sudden you decide I'm gonna have eternal eyes, that life is gonna be easy. I venture to say that if you start working for the Lord, things are gonna get probably a little bit more difficult because Satan don't like that. But the fact of the matter is, we waste way too much time on pointless stuff. Way too much time. Ain't nobody ever wants to think about the reality of a real hell and the reality of the fact that they're going to go there without Christ. 
No one ever wants to think about that. As soon as you challenge someone to think about eternity, you watch how quickly that conversation shifts or how quickly they close out everything you're going to have to say after that. I encourage you folks, if you never made that decision to get saved, I encourage you to do that today. That's your foundation. Anybody that knows anything about building, you ain't going to build a house without a solid foundation. Or it's going to be like the cabins up in Wisconsin. We go fishing up in Wisconsin. My dad don't like to go there too much anymore. It's like you're sleeping on a hill. He's worried he's going to roll out of bed or something. At his age, he might as well be worried about that, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I love my dad. You know? But until you get that foundation, you're just going to keep struggling with your life. You know what? And at the end, you're going to be asking yourself, why did I waste so much time? Brother Joe was talking that one night. I could have got saved right there. I could have settled it right there. I could have done something. But you let all that time go by. You're going to wake up maybe one day and it's going to be real sick, have something wrong with you. It's going to be too late. You know what? Maybe you are saved right now and you're just too busy. I hear a lot of good excuses for not going soul winning. And I don't say that I don't agree with them. You know, someone says they got to work a lot. I don't know what that's like. I've had to work a lot. Some people will say, hey, I'm not good at talking to people. They, I understand that. God has given me a gift with talking to people. I appreciate that. But guess what? You go and stand before God and see how much He understands about that stuff. Because I promise you, God is not going to be as understanding as Brother Joe. I understand. I can, you know what? I'd rather be doing a lot of other stuff. So you're going to stand before God someday and He's going to say, you know what? I saved your soul. What did you do with that time? What did you do with all that time? What was more important than all these hundreds and thousands of people around you that were dying and going to hell? Let me help you out with something else. I'll leave you with this illustration. You know, I heard Pastor Gomez say this about sowing, and it's like you're the mailman. You know, what is the mailman's job? He just delivers your mail. He doesn't open it up for you and read it to you, does he? He doesn't make sure you take that bill out and go out and pay it, does he? No, he just delivers you the mail. And when you're when you're out there trying to win souls, it basically means you're just telling people. You're not responsible for them getting saved. You're not responsible for them receiving the message. You're not responsible for what they do with it, but you are responsible for the fact that you need to get it to them. Because, hey, nobody's going to hear unless you go and tell them. You have to go and... They have to hear a message. It's crazy to me why someone, why God would choose someone like me. Why God would choose someone like... I just I don't understand it. I, I woke up this morning I'm like, Lord, why in the world would you use me? I don't understand. But He's allowed me to do it. And you know what I tell myself? As long as I can put on this suit and I can go out and He doesn't prevent me from I'm going to keep on going and I'm going to keep on doing it. And I appreciate the fact that someone told me and that's what motivates me. So where are you at today? I don't know. Where's your heart at today? Maybe you need to get saved and build that foundation. Maybe you need to get rid of that sin. I don't know what that sin is that ails you. You start thinking about the fact that people are going to hell. That sin's going to look a lot less enticing. It's going to be a lot less... It's going to be a lot less... You know... I don't know. I don't. I, I'll tell you. I, you know, I had a lot of stuff in my life where I got saved, and I've had my struggles. And I'm not going to say that it's still not a battle. But the fact of the matter is, when I think about my brother Paul, my brother Paul is lost. He's never accepted the gospel, and it breaks my heart. And I hope that he gets saved someday. And I keep praying, and I got to tell myself I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep praying for him because I believe that God can change his heart. And that's more important to me than that sin, but sometimes I get caught. You know, Is that your problem? Is there sin in your life got you caught up? Or maybe it is that you're not close enough to God. You don't realize the importance of this book. You don't realize the importance of these services. Hey, 
I might be preaching a little long tonight. Maybe it's a little bit uncomfortable in here, but bless God, we get some ice cream. Amen. Amen. Hoping that Tommy serves me personally. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But boy, when you do get close to God, there's that song, He Walks With Me, and He talks with me, and He tells me I am His own. Man, I'll tell you what, the guy that wrote that song, he was close to God because he knew what he was talking about. You get close to God, ain't nothing. It ain't, it ain't. You know, I get, out the, I get out in the ball field sometimes. I'll be standing out in the center and just looking up at the clouds, thinking about the Lord. And I um, haven't got hit by a baseball yet because nobody else can hit, so I ain't too worried about it. But after that, you had to go out. You had to tell somebody. I don't know exactly how. You know, I didn't have a lot of training. But you know what? Everywhere you go and everything you do, you have an opportunity to be some sort of witness in some sort of way, whether it's on the job, at the grocery store, at the gas station, or just on a walk. You have a way to be a testimony to the Lord. There's some way that you can witness to somebody. And I don't know what that is. You know what I found the easiest way is? Guess what? We're all people. I know that strikes some people as odd, but we are. We're all people. And if you keep that in mind, hey, this guy ain't any better or any different than me, and you just go up to him and be like, hey, oh, that's a nice car. I was trying to convince this lady. On, I was out knocking doors yesterday. I was trying to convince her to sell me her Caprice. had like a green Caprice Classic. I was trying to tell her. 71000 And I was like, oh, you got to sell me that car. But you know, I started talking about the Lord too. And uh, that was my end. But you learn these things the more you go. I don't, you know, I don't know. But uh, I'll ask Tommy to come up. I don't know if he does an invitation at the end here or what. But um, I encourage you to do this. Just to keep your eyes on eternity because that's what makes all the difference in this world. It's just to keep focusing on the fact that your life could be used to change heaven. You could keep someone out. If you kept one person out of hell, what a difference that would make. It would be a huge difference. Let's all go ahead and stand together. Heads bowed and eyes closed. That was a good message.